0: Good morning, pursuit. I'm pumped about this message this morning. Uh, before we get into it, though, I want you to know that I am so excited to have so many people all over our county, uh, all over the Lake Norman area, and even in other states, meeting together today in home. So one of the things that we've started over the last uh, few weeks, it just kind of organically started to happen, uh, and we just uh, wanted to capitalize on it. We feel like the Lord's been leading us this way for a long time, is uh, we just started asking people, hey, if you're loving staying uh, together, you know we can't meet together yet, But if you're over the stay in your house, don't talk to any other humans right now past that part of the corona pandemic and you start meeting together and hanging out on Sunday mornings and eating lunch after and doing that, do that. And so all over our county, all over Lincoln County, Catawba County, Lake Norman area, and even in different states, family members and friend groups are coming together, hanging out on Sundays, worshiping together, praying together, listening to the message together. And a lot of them are eating afterwards and just discussing and hanging out. And we're hearing some crazy, awesome stories. And so, right now, if you're at home with your family and you want to say, "Hey, I feel like I'm missing out on something. I want to be a part of this." Uh, here's what you need to do: uh, you need to look around your friend group and invite people to your house on Sunday. Be the first person that takes that step uh, in that direction. We think God has been moving just in a really cool way, and we want to see uh, what else He can do during this time. It's just been a—it's been a crazy, uh, awesome time of God, even though it's been difficult and there's been storms and there's been struggles in so many different ways. We've seen God. Be faithful, and so we just want you to know we believe God's still moving, He never stopped. Uh, And if you want to be a part of that in this direction that we're headed, and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you and leading you to potentially start a group in your home on Sunday mornings, uh, whether you're local in the Lake Norman area uh, or you're out in Colorado or California or anywhere else, we want you to do that. We want you to step out, we want to help you too. So let us know, message us, uh, call us, let us know, hey, I feel like the Lord's leading me to do this, I want to be a part of this officially. that level because we want to pray for you. We want to help you. We want to strategize with you. We want to support you in any way we can. We're excited about what God's doing. Uh, But if you have your Bibles uh, or your phones or your iPads, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew uh, chapter uh, 13, verse 31. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Uh, And and while you turn there, I'm going to read the first part of this uh, parable. It's a parable. It's one of the more famous, well-known, classic parables Of Jesus, Uh, but the first part, and this is what makes me a little weird sometimes. I love the Bible. I love the words in it, every word. I think it's so unique the way that God words things and the way that God puts things out there uh, for us. And this is what it says just in the, uh, and this is the NIV version I'm reading from this morning. It says, he told them another parable. Right? There's nothing wrong with that translation. I'm reading from it. I, I, you can trust it. NIV is a good translation. Uh, but in the actual Hebrew and in some of the other translations, uh, you'll see uh, that in the New Testament, the original language is in Greek. And the way that they put this, this is the language that, that it actually says. It says, and Jesus set before them, or Jesus placed before them, another parable. And, and it just hit me this week. And I know that this is, uh, this is just one of those things that maybe just only a preacher can get joy out of. Uh, but he could have said it 25 different ways. But the way that Jesus went about saying things and the way that he went about doing things uh, was so unique. And each thing that he decided to do, he was so intentional. Uh, and what it, the words actually say was he set before them or he placed before them another parable. And that means it was like the Lord just put in my heart, like, I'm giving you something. I'm putting it before you. I'm not just speaking it to you. I'm not just telling you something. I'm placing before you an opportunity. I'm setting before you a parable. I'm setting before you a comparison. And yeah, there'll be a simplistic, uh, base level, top, surface level, meaning that you'll get it. You'll grasp it pretty quick. But I'm giving you something deeper. I'm giving you something bigger. I'm putting it before you. How deep are you willing to dig to get to the bottom how much time are you willing to spend with this parable that I'm about to give you with this wisdom that I'm about to place before you with this inside information that I'm about to give you I'm about to put before you forever not just the disciples not just those around him in this day but all generations you and me right here right now Jesus said I'm putting something before you I'm not just giving it to you I'm setting it in front of you and you can do with it whatever you wish You can just read it, skip over it, move past it. You can get that base, simplistic meaning that's so easy, we'll get it in seconds. Or will you spend time with it? Will you dig deep? You know there's gold in it. Are you willing to break through the barriers and the rocks and mine as deep as you can to get the fullness of what God wants to say to you this morning? I do. And that's what I'm going to pray for us really fast. And I would pray that you pray with me. Uh, don't just watch me pray or listen to me pray. Pray that prayer. Pray that God will give us not just the uh, desire, but God will give us the ability, uh, the revelation to be able to dig deep this morning into this parable, into this truth, into this wisdom uh, that we can get as far as God wants us to go, that this truth will just penetrate our hearts and change us. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I come before you, Lord. You are the King of the universe. I believe that. You're the Creator. Of the heavens and the earth, Father, I believe that beyond the shadow of a doubt. And this morning, Father, we're looking uh, at a parable, God, a a a, a truth, God, a comparison, a, a, almost like a hidden wisdom uh, that You've placed before us this morning, God. And that each of us, Father, we have an opportunity this morning to dig deep. We have an opportunity to go as deep, God, uh, as you will let us go, to to mine through it, to meditate on it, to to listen, to focus, to read it after, to discuss it after, to go as deep as we can. I pray, Lord, this morning that your Holy Spirit will uh, just encourage us, God, that you will inspire us, motivate us, God, and then give us the ability, Father, to go as deep as we possibly can into this, God, that we could get to the goal, that we could get to the truth, God, that life-saving, life-altering, life-changing, truth this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, move uh, in every second. Let every word be from you. Capture our hearts. Change us in your holy name. Amen. So let's read this parable. Matthew 13, verse 31. He told them another parable, or he set before them, he placed before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, a few months back, I started to fall passionately in love with some of the parables that Jesus gives. It's a unique thing uh, for me that you've got Jesus Christ, you know, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Prior to him saving uh, us on the cross, he leaves behind uh, a series of parables. And his whole point of leaving behind these parables is to give us inside information into the kingdom of heaven, into the inner workings of, of the kingdom of heaven, the way that God works on earth. This is epic to me. This is absolutely epic to me that Jesus would leave behind all of this different information, all of this different wisdom, all of this different knowledge, all of this teaching for the sole purpose of letting us know uh, how God is going to work and how God already works, how the kingdom of heaven operates, how God's going to move in our life, how God's going to move through the gospel, how God's going to move in the church and through the church. He says, I want you to know up front how the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And he starts off with uh, this parable, and he says, listen, I want you to know something else about the kingdom of heaven. I want you to know that the way that God operates, the way that God moves, the way that God uh, uh, moves in life, in his kingdom, in this world, in our lives, in the church, in the gospel, he said he moves just like this. It's like the smallest of all garden seeds, the mustard seed that when you compare the mustard seed with all the other seeds, it's the smallest seed by far. It's epically small. Uh, and you put it into the dirt. Uh, if you if it falls into the dirt before you have a chance to plant it, it's so small, the odds of you finding it are slim to none. It's the smallest of all seeds. He says, but you take the mustard seed, you put it into the ground. He says, this is what the kingdom of heaven's like. You take the smallest of all seeds, the mustard seed, you put it into the ground. But when it grows, by the time it grows, by the time uh, it gets to full maturity, by the time it gets... Uh, up over the season it's the largest of all garden plants in fact nobody will call it a plant that it'll they'll call it a tree that it'll have branches he said it's so big uh, that when it's fully grown uh, that birds of the air can come and perch in its branches and make nests in its branches and and hide from the sun in its shade uh, that when people look out into the garden uh, that they'll see a bunch of garden plants and then they'll see a thing that they can only describe as a tree he says that, that, that it, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is how my father's kingdom operates. This is how the gospel operates. This is how the church, the big C church operates. This is how the spirit of God operates. This is the way my father operates. He starts with something extremely small, but when it's done expanding, when it's done growing, it is the biggest of all things around. Uh, you cannot deny it. You may miss it in the beginning, but when it's fully grown, you cannot deny that it was God. And this is epic to me. This is epic, because even the base level, uh, the simplistic, everybody who just heard me read this, everybody uh, who, who, who read through it together, everybody who l- heard just the first 45 seconds of this message, you already know exactly the most simple surface level meaning that this is the way that God operates, that the kingdom of heaven, the gospel, the church, that it starts something super small, uh, and but then when it grows, when it expands, it's something that's huge, it's something that's large, it's the biggest garden plant, so big that it'll dwarf everything else, and they'll call it a tree that birds can, can perch in it that, that, that's the way that God moves. And you could stop right there. And, and and a lot of people do, and a lot of people have, and a lot of people will, even now. You could stop right there. You you could you could take the parable, remember, that Jesus has set before us, and you could read it, and you could go through it, and you could go, okay, I get it. That's the way that God operates. Or you could go deeper and you could really think through it and meditate on it, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you something, to open up. Not just this parable in this simplistic meaning, but open up the way that it means, the way that God will mean to you or move in your heart, move in your life. The truth is, the reality is, one of the reasons that Jesus did this up front uh, is because the disciples at this point in time, his 12 followers, uh, they had a very misguided view of what was happening. Because at this moment and at this time, Jesus was still super popular. There were not just hundreds, but thousands of people flocking to Jesus, following him around. They would walk for miles. They would put their lives in danger just to come and see him, just to bring the sick to them, just to be a part of one of the miracles, just to see if everything they've heard about this Jesus is true. There were, in even at this time, not all the Pharisees even hate him. There were still a lot of Pharisees that hoped and believed, okay, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this guy with all this power can unite us and that we can throw against Rome and that maybe he is, you know, this guy at this point in time he didn't have a lot of enemies and there were, the crowds were massive and, and they could not get away from the people everybody wanted to follow everybody wanted to be around him everybody loved Jesus in this moment because of the miracles because of the feeding because of the provision because of all the power that they saw inside of Jesus but Jesus knew the reality Jesus knew that in time the crowds would fade away And it's true, if you go through and you look at history, most people would tell you that the beginning of the church, the big C church, the birth of the church, was the day of Pentecost. When the disciples, with a few other people, there was 120 people, that was it. In the upper room, the Holy Spirit fell on them, they came out, they preached the first gospel message, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ, and then it was on after that. It was just movement. But it began with just one moment, one thought. One Jesus and a few disciples, and the crowds faded away, and there was only a few left. And in faith, they stepped out of the upper room, filled with power from the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak. And to this very day, 2,000 years later, now you can see that what started off so small as a mustard seed is now huge. It's not fully grown. We're not even close to fully grown. But it's powerful. It's big. It's expanded. The truth of the simplistic surface level meaning of this parable, we can look at it and then we can look at history and we can know Jesus is telling us the truth about the way the kingdom of heaven operates. And I want you to know that. I want you to see that. I want you to accept that so that you can be confident in the other places that this parable means in our lives day to day. The truth is if you really just look at God, this isn't just the way the kingdom of heaven operates. This is the way the king operates of heaven operates. This is the way the father who sits on the throne, the creator of the universe operates. This is what he likes. This is how he thinks. This is what he likes to see. Think about nature. Think about science. Think about the way that he created the world. Think about the way everything takes place. All of humanity, the entire 8 billion uh, people that make up the existence of humanity all started with one man. All of our DNA is all the same except for like just a little bit of a percentage, meaning that we all come from the same exact person. Believers know that to be Adam. Think about the way that trees work. Think about the forests that you see. Think about the giant trees out in California or the one in the Brazil uh, the rainforest. I don't know a lot about the rainforest. Think about the vast wilderness. Think about everything that you see. All of that started and began with one small seed. Everything that you see, everything that, you know, think about the way little babies happen. We won't go all the way back to the beginning of babies because it could get awkward real fast. That's a sex joke in case you weren't paying attention. But just think about the the smallness of a human child uh, that comes into the world. They're like this big. I just had one just a few weeks ago. They're super small. They're real little, and they're cuddly, and they're loud, and they, they don't sleep good, but they're real little, and they're real cuddly, but then they grow up and they expand. Everything, if you go through and you look at nature, and you go through and you look at the world that God created, this is the way that God moves. This is the way that God likes to see things done. He likes to see things start small, and then grow into this huge, epic, undeniable, powerful Movement. In fact, uh, the beginning uh, of, of Jesus, the beginning of the, the gospel, the beginning of the church didn't just start even with Jesus. The truth is it started all the way back when God had one moment, one conversation, uh, one, one crazy powerful moment in time with Abraham. And he came to this man, Abraham, and he said, Listen, I know who you are, and I'm choosing you. And through you, I'm going to bring into existence a whole nation uh, that will eventually be called Israel. And through the bloodline of Israel, through your bloodline, Abraham, eventually I'll bring Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, in, and he'll die on a cross for the sins of all people. And then through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'll be able to bless and save all of those who believe, all of the existence. And then the Bible says that in the end, in days, uh, in the day of judgment, that every knee in history, every human being in history will bow their knee to Jesus and confess that he is Lord. All of that begin with one moment. This is the way that God operates on a spiritual level, on an emotional level, with the gospel, with the Big C Church, and in your life. This is the way that God operates in your life, the way he saves you, and the way he sanctifies you, the way he transforms you. It's not something that happens uh, in, in just an overnight thing. It's something that happens over time. But your salvation, I'll begin with one moment. You may not even remember the first time you heard the gospel. You may not even remember the song or the conversation in a coffee shop or the sermon clip that somebody shared on social media. But it started with just one small thing, one small moment where you heard something and it began to turn you and it began to, to open up your heart and open up your mind to Jesus Christ. And then before you know it, you have this moment. You're weeping before God. You give your life to Christ. And then as time goes on and you look back the things that you were okay with a year ago, you're no longer okay with. And the sin that used to once dominate you, now it becomes fewer and far between before you fall into it. The foolishness uh, that you grew up with begins to to disappear and give way to God's holy wisdom. Over time, the Holy Spirit begins to transform you. Uh, The Bible says in one scripture, from uh, glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, All of that starts with one moment. But then there's a moment and there's a process between that moment and the full picture, the the, the tree in the garden, the fully transformed, holy and righteous man or woman of God. There's There's a small moment, a small beginning, and then over time it grows. He says this is the way not just the kingdom of heaven operates. This is the way the king operates. When God begins to move, he moves small, epically small. And this needs to give us some confidence. This needs to breed confidence in us. Because we need to know, and the way that he tells this parable, the way that he explains it, uh, and other parables and other teachings of Jesus, the thing that you need to understand, the thing that you need to get about the way the kingdom of heaven uh, operates, is that when the kingdom of heaven starts something, it absolutely 100% will finish it that when God begins to move, uh, there's not a devil in hell or an angel in heaven or anybody in between that could stop God. When God sets his mind to something, Job says the purpose of God can't be thwarted. Nothing can stop it. Uh, this is something that you need to have confidence in. This is something that when, when God begins to speak to you and God begins to lead you and God begins to put something in your heart, uh, there'll be a small moment. There'll be a small beginning. There'll be a big process uh, between that moment and when it's fully grown. But along the way, this this parable uh, and this This principle of the way that the king of heaven operates and the way his kingdom operates needs to give you confidence to know that even though it might not look big yet, even though it might not look like this huge epic mustard tree yet, uh, it's just a seed in the ground. As long as you know that seed is from God, that that word is from God, that that moment is from God, then you need to wake up every single day already excited about what you know will become in the future simply because it's already begun in your heart and in that moment of God. It needs to give confidence. It needs to breathe confidence inside of you, knowing this is the way that God works. Knowing that it's only a matter of time. There's only a matter of a process before the fulfillment of God's will and purpose is accomplished in your life and through your life. That when God starts something, he finishes it. It needs to give you confidence. But it also it also comes with a hidden, unsaid warning. Because the truth is, a lot of times we're not okay with small beginnings. We're not okay with the smallest of all seeds. We're not okay with the way that God moves. In fact, most of the time when God begins to move, we miss it. In fact, uh, God moved so small even in the way that he brought Jesus into the earth, even in the way that he began with Jesus, he started so small. They were looking for something big. They were looking for some epic king showing up with some huge, big army. They they were looking. They, they wanted to skip the beginning, skip the process, and go right to the ending. And when G- God came in the way he came with, Jesus started off with a baby, started off with a small Jesus growing up into this thing. It was so small. It was so different uh, than what they thought it would be that so many people missed it. And the truth is, and I want to speak truth this morning, and I want, I want to throw something out to you. Most of the time, when God begins to move in your life, you miss it too. Because it's small. It's too small. It's too small for you to wrap your brain around it being God. God began to speak to me and deal with me pretty heavily this week. There's a scripture in Zechariah 4.10. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it in a couple translations because this is one of those weird scriptures. Zechariah 14. The way that it's worded in the Hebrew, it's difficult to translate into English. It's, it's one of the few that are actually very difficult to fully translate into English. And if you go through and you read the different translations, they're all going to be a little bit different. Uh, but the base of it is undisputed. And I think either direction that you would go in the, your view of it, it still speaks deep power to this idea of small beginnings or this idea of the way that the king of heaven operates. And and this is what it says, and I'll I'll explain it. I'm just going to read it first uh, out of the NIV. It says, Who dares despise the day of small things since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel? Now, that may make no sense to you, but I'm going to explain it to you. God. This was a season in Israel where God began to bring uh, the captives of Israel back into the promised land or back into Jerusalem. And God had told them and inspired them to start building the temple back. And when Zerubbabel, this particular leader, started to build the temple back, most people, the majority of people, uh, they despised this beginning of this process. They rejected that it was God moving. And they rejected it so much that they just simply stopped. That God had to send multiple prophets, one of them being Zechariah, but had to send multiple prophets to spur them on, to inspire them, to motivate them, to, to call them back to it. Because it was so small. When they first started, they didn't have all the resources that they needed. When God called them back, this generation back, to start building the temple, they didn't have all the resources they needed. They didn't have all the plans. They did not have a standing army whatsoever. They were still exposed. It was still weak-minded. There were enemies all around them that wanted them dead. Uh, there, nobody wanted the temple to be built back. Nobody did. But God called them to start building it back. And when they, when they heard the first prophet and they heard Zerubbabel stand up and say, this is what God has called us to do, uh, they started to look around. And what they realized is they only had uh, just enough to start. All they had was the capstone or the cornerstone or the plumb line, meaning that, and if you don't know what a plumb line is, and that shows up in the other translation, a plumb line uh, is the beginning. That's the thing you have to lay down uh, to be able to know exactly where you're going to build it, and you measure out with the plumb line, and you get it aligned, and then you build according to the plumb line so that it's straight and so that it's structural and so that it's powerful and so that the foundation is strong. And that they had what they called the plummet or the capstone, meaning the foundational rock, the beginning of it. The only thing that they had available was Zerubbabel and another prophet uh, saying, Hey, listen, God's called us to build the temple back. And all they had around them was just a few of the beginning resources in the plumb line. And when they started to lay the plumb line and they started to lay that plummet or that capstone or that foundational rock, and all the people of Israel looked in and they said, That's all you've got? We're exposed uh, to the enemies. We're weak. We have no economy. We have no standing army. And all we have is the first few rocks of the temple. And they rejected it. They they didn't want anything to do with it. They despised it. In fact, a lot of them just disappeared. A lot of them were considering, uh, like you see throughout the history of Israel, they were like, let's just go back. Like, yeah, we were we were, you know, Lower on the totem pole, some of us were enslaved in Babylon. It wasn't fantastic, but let's just let's just maybe just think about going back or going a different direction or going a different route. There's no way that this can be God. There's no way. And God gets kind of upset and he sends the prophet Zechariah down, and this is the response to that situation. God says in the NIV, I'll read it, who dares despise the day of small things since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. One translation says, who dares despise the day of small beginnings? Uh, The New Living Translation says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The ESV says, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. I want to stop, and I want to point out the differences here, and i want to preach both these points really fast to your life. And I think if you will listen, uh, the Holy Spirit might just set you up for something powerful. He says, don't despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Hold on to that. Don't despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. ESV, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice, as in they hadn't been rejoicing to that point. Uh, They looked on uh, and they hated what God loved. This is the thing that, and I just want to take a second. I just want to take a second. I, I just want to talk about this reality. And how this works in our life. This is the truth. And you've got to get this. You've got to understand the setting here to get the power of this. God raises up a prophet and another leader named Zerubbabel to build the temple back. And he begins. And everybody watching despises what's happening. They hate it. They don't like it. They see the lack of resources. They see the small beginning, and they despise it, and they reject it, and they don't want anything to do with it. In the same way that they despise it and hate it, God loves it and is rejoicing. Do you know what rejoicing is? It's not just joy. Joy is one thing. Rejoicing is celebrating that joy. Rejoicing is throwing an emotional neurological party That's what rejoicing is. That's a joy overflowing. This is what God's saying. This is God speaking to his people. And he comes down and he says, listen, you look at these small beginnings and you despise them. You look at this small beginning, you look at this lack of resources, you look at the first step, uh, you look at level one, you look at the beginning of the small thing, the small moment, you look at this and you hate it, you despise it, you reject it, you don't want anything to do with it, you don't think that it's me, you push it off and you want to go a different direction. He says, while you're living with a lack of peace, while you're lacking joy, while you're frustrated, while you're filled with anxiety, while you don't have any joy in your life towards what I'm doing, while you despise it and walk away from it, while you're doing Doing that this is God speaking I'm throwing a party right on the other side I'm looking at the same exact thing you're looking at I'm looking at the same exact start I'm looking at the same exact plumb line uh, in Zerubbabel's hand and when I see the plumb line when I see the first step when I see that one moment I start rejoicing I get excited because I know what that means God says I know that when I lay the first stone I will lay the last stone when I see somebody take the first step I'll make sure they take the last step and when I see somebody lay down that plumb line, that they start the measurements, that they lay down that first foundational rock, I will assure, I will make absolutely sure that they lay the last one. If you will have the faith to begin something, I will use my power and make sure you finish something. This is the difference between the few people who change the world around them and the rest of the people who watch them change the world is a few people hear that one moment. They're not afraid of small beginnings. They're not afraid of the first step. They don't look at the lack of resources. They don't look at the lack of what they have. They don't look at the fear of change. All they know is I had a moment, I had a thought, and it was God. And God called me to lay down this stone so Zerubbabel picks up the plumb line. He starts taking the measurements and he lays down the first capstone. And God says, I threw a party in heaven when he laid down that capstone because I knew I had one man. I knew I had one person. I knew I had one singular thing and that's all I needed. I had one person who wasn't afraid of small beginnings and trusted me with the first step And so I will lay every other stone until it finishes. And when it's done, when it's done, when it's accomplished, God says you can go find those who missed the beginning and missed the process, who despised the beginning and went a different direction, and you can bring them back. And now they can rejoice and they can benefit from the work of faithful men and the work of faithful women and the work of my hand. See, this is the the truth. This is the reality about the way God works. He starts super small, and he expands it super big. This is the way God works in your life. When when God uh, starts to work in your marriage, when God starts to work in your marriage and and create some intimacy, it's going to start very, very small, maybe with one thought and one sermon, maybe with one conversation. Maybe he's got to expose some wounds that that weren't healed, that weren't forgiven. And and, and this is the thing I need you to understand. When when people start praying about their marriage or praying about their family or praying about their finances or praying about their life, praying about their kids, everybody's looking for this big, epic, life-changing, life-altering, earth-splitting, earth-shattering, cosmic wave moment. And it's absolutely 100% never going to happen. God will, in fact, save every aspect of your life, sanctify every aspect of your life. He will save your marriage. He will give you intimacy if that's what you long for. He will heal every wound in your spirit, every wound in your soul from your childhood all the way up. God will move in deep and powerful ways in your life. But every single movement of God in your individual life, in your marriage, in your family, in your house, through the gospel, in the big C church, every single time God moves, it will start small, so small that you will probably miss the beginning of it. And when you look around as God's moving, uh, you will not see the activity of God because the way that God moves is not the way that you want him to move almost ever. Everything that we know just in our house, just in our pursuit family, everything that we see and experience today, it all started in the heart of one man and then one small group of people in a house where they just said a few prayers and just stepped out in faith in that moment. And now years later, it is what it is and it's still growing and it's still expanding. My life all started, my walk with Christ all started with one moment and a thought. The day that I got saved, I was going to be a preacher. That was, all, that was the thought. It was like it was just there. It was right there. It was one moment. It was one thought. I had an expectation uh, that I would be Billy Graham in less than three years, uh, but I was still pretty much a hectic sinner about three years later. Uh, that, that we have this thing that if, if, you, if you miss the beginning, and you despise the beginning, and you despise the process, two things are going to happen. One, you won't be there at the end. And that's a part of why I read multiple translations because I wanted you to see that that's a a part of the picture God's painting. Who are they? I don't know because they're not here. Where are they? I don't know because they're not here. Who are the ones that despise small beginnings? Go find them because they're not here. Now bring them back. Number one, you probably won't be there at the end. You won't actually be a part of the move of God. You won't see the finished product. You won't live. And th- th- this is why, listen, and I don't know why I'm hounding on marriage. This is why so many marriages end because people think, listen, uh, I don't have the time. I don't, I, don't, I don't want God to move small. I don't think that he can. I don't think that it's God. I don't love the process of growing, of expanding, of having to deal with this. It's so much easier to just cut one marriage and then start another one. Because we don't like the healing. We don't like the process. We don't like to move forward. We don't like to see the expansion of God because it doesn't operate the way that we want it to. It doesn't look the way that we want it to. It doesn't start the way that we want it to. When God moves, it starts small. If you're one of those people who don't like small beginnings and you're just trying to hop uh, to and fro, trying to get to the next big thing or trying to get to the next, you don't don't want the beginning. You don't want the process. You don't want to grow with it. You don't want to prepare for it. You don't want to be a part of it. The odds of you ever being a part of something great are slim to none. God says, who are the ones that despise? Nobody knows because they're not here. And this is the second point. Zerubbabel, And Zechariah and God, they were rejoicing from day one. They had joy from day one. They had peace from day one. They enjoyed every second of every moment through the whole process. They laid the first stone with a party, and then they celebrated with a party as God laid the last one. During the whole beginning, the process all the way up to the end, everybody who despised the small beginnings, not only were they not there at the end of it, they didn't have any joy through the whole process. They didn't rejoice in it. They didn't enjoy it. They didn't have peace. Uh, they, They didn't have it. They weren't a part of it. They lacked it. God says now, 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 they can come rejoice. And I just want to speak this to you. Why did God say that? Now they can rejoice. If they couldn't rejoice in the beginning and they couldn't rejoice in the process, why is it okay now that they rejoice? Because they would only find joy in the finished product. Meaning that There's a lot of people in life, I think the natural state of humanity actually is to only find joy or to only rejoice or to only celebrate when it becomes what it's supposed to be in your mind, which most of the time is an illusion anyway. Well, I'll have peace, right? I'll have peace when it's accomplished. I'll have joy when that mustard tree is fully grown and the birds are perching in it. I'll believe God and trust God after the building's already been built. I'll enjoy it uh, when everything works out the way that it's supposed to. And this is the thing that I want you to understand. God has designed this thing to have a beginning and to have a process and to have an end. Every single thing in your life has a beginning, has a process, and has an end. What a miserable existence you must live if you despise the beginnings and despise the process and you're going through your life only looking for the end product. See, I look at my marriage. I love my wife, all right? God has a lot of work to do on us, on her, on me, more on me. But I loved her the day we got married. I loved that first year. I love the difficulties of it. I look back and there's a struggle. We've struggled through the last, having three kids. I don't know, maybe you're way better parents than us, but having three kids and trying to run a church, that creates some difficulties. And there's some sad days and there's some days of struggle and there's some days of frustration. But at the end of the day, I enjoy the process. I love the beginning of it. I love what it is and I love what we will become when God finishes having his way with her and having his way with me and we begin to grow and our intimacy gets stronger and stronger and our family gets stronger and stronger in the Lord. I'm loving what happened 10 years ago. I'm loving what's happening right now and I love what's to come. I love the process. That's one of the secrets of Pursuit Church. Other churches sometimes ask us, you know, why do you have such a great staff and why do things always seem to work out and and how come things just seem to go well for you guys? Well, one, uh, we don't really know what we're doing. We just follow the voice of God. That's step one. If you're part of a church that doesn't do that, good luck. The other thing is we love the process. Every single person on our team, all of our volunteers, we love the process. We love to see God take small things and make it big. We love to be a part of it. We just do. If you don't love the small beginnings and you don't love the process, the odds of you being around or having any peace or any real joy in this life are slim to none. But if you can be like God and you can look at the small beginnings and believe the way that God believes, when I see the beginning, when I see the first step, I already know the ending and I love the process along the way. I want to close out with this this one thought. This is the Lord. Listen, and I want to be real clear on this one. I, I believe that the Lord, I believe this is from the Lord for me, but I, this is a thing, this is what we would call an opinion. So you can take it or you can leave it. I believe that it's 100% truth, not an opinion, 100% truth. This is the way the kingdom of heaven operates. This is the way the king of heaven operates, that he takes a small thing and that he makes it big, that it's a process, that it's over time, and that it's an amazing thing, and that most people will despise the way that God moves, and so they'll miss it. But then the Lord put something in my heart just for me, and I'll share it with you. I don't think we can call this theological. I don't think we can call it universal. But it's a thought that the Lord put in my heart. I'm going to read the parable again. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Uh, if you go through and you read the parables of Jesus, every time he brings up birds, it's never a positive thing. One, in one parable, in the parable of the soil, the birds represent Satan. It's not a positive thing. If you own canaries, I apologize. Uh, but it's not a positive thing. And I also felt like it was uh, not ironic that the parable right before this one was the one of the wheat and the tares. He says, also the kingdom of heaven is like this. He said, it's like a guy who goes out and he plants wheat in his field, but at night the enemy comes and plants tares or weeds and they grow up together and then his servants come and say hey listen you got tares and wheat do you want us to take all the tares up and Jesus says no uh, that's not how the kingdom of heaven works leave the tares leave the wheat because if you try to take the tares you'll tear the wheat down too let them grow up together and then God will sort them out at the end don't you worry about it you lead them the same way I've found that, that this mustard seed comes directly after that, meaning that in the church, in the big C church, in, in the kingdom of heaven, there's people who are truly followers of Jesus, and then there's just people who are present that are not actually a part of the kingdom of heaven, but they're growing in the same field, that they're religious, that they're, they're present. And in so many parables, they both show up, except for the mustard seed, except that this is the thought the Lord put in my heart. It's not theological. It can't be universal truth. It's my opinion, but the Lord did put this in my heart, so I want to share it with you. There's a lot of people that'll be like the birds. There's a lot of people that will despise the small beginnings. They don't want to be a part of the seed in the ground. And even when it starts to grow, it's still too weak. It's still too vulnerable. If they were to come be a part of it in the beginning, and they were to come be a part of the process, they wouldn't. They would have to have responsibility. They would have to work. They would have to give. They would have to support. Uh, They would have to have a role. They don't want to be a part of it. It's weak. It's vulnerable. They don't know if it's going to succeed. They don't know if it's going to thrive. Uh, There's still too much uh, question. (coughs) Excuse me. A lot of people, and I feel this really strong in my heart, a lot of people, they want to wait until the very end. They want to wait until it's fully grown. They want to wait until there's no risk. And then they want to benefit from the movement of God. They want to come and they want to to perch in the branches of the tree. They want to use its shade from the sun. They want to be comforted by it. They want to benefit from it. But they're not a part of it. And to me, I think this would be the worst way for a Christian to live their life. Avoiding the beginnings. Avoiding the process despising the small things, despising the way that God moves, rejecting it, being afraid to be a part of it, being afraid to be a part of the process, being afraid to risk, being afraid to have responsibility, being afraid for a piece of the kingdom of heaven to rest on your back, being afraid for the gospel to be part of your responsibility in your day-to-day life, being afraid to be a part of it. But What you want in life is you want to wait till God moves. You want to wait till there's no risk. You want to wait till it's comfortable. Wait till you can benefit from it without being a part of it. And then you want to come rest in the branches of the tree. And I'm telling you right here in churches all across this nation, all across this world, there are people like that. There are people that do not want to be a part of it. They do not want to risk it. They do not want to step into it. They despise small beginnings. They don't want to go through the process of God movement. They just want to benefit from it. And i want to tell you something, that's a miserable existence. Because if you put the two stories together, the parable here and all the other scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that deal with this, you got two different people in life. you got people who trust God, people who follow him, people who are not afraid of the seed in the ground, people who are not afraid of the process, people who just trust, rejoice and have peace knowing that everything that needs to be accomplished has already been accomplished and that the beginning means the ending. That the first step on the battlefield means the victory. That the first stone laid means the finishment of the temple. That when God moves like this, all you got to have is that one moment. All you got to have is that one beginning. All you got to have is that seed. And when you know you've got that small beginning, you can start rejoicing and you can start getting excited. And you can love every second of the process. But you, because no, the only thing that stands in between now and the finished product is time. That's it. I'm excited. I believe God is doing something incredible with this house, with this group of people. I believe God wants to do something in your life as individuals, in your marriages, in your families. I believe God wants to move. He is moving. He is moving. But the way that he's moving, he takes super small moments, super small seeds. And over time, in a process, he expands them. Don't be one who despises small beginnings. And don't be the birds who are waiting with no risk, want to be comfortable, want to benefit from the movement of God, but not be a part of it. Don't miss what God's doing in your life. Don't miss the movement of God. Love the beginning, no matter what it is. Love the process, no matter what it is. Rejoice in the moment simply because the God of the universe is actively moving in your life. That's all we need. I hope that you get to a place where that's all you need to be a part of God's movement. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you, Lord. I lift you up, God. I trust you. I pray, Father, that you will take this parable, take this this message this morning, take the, the little bit of wisdom, God, that you've given us this morning that you will just drive it deep into our hearts. I pray, God, that you will give us strength and courage, God, to be confident in you, Lord, to know, Father God, to know It doesn't matter how small the beginning is or what part of the process we're in. Father, that we can rejoice, that we can get excited because you're with us, God. We can get excited. We can rejoice. We can be confident because you're rejoicing because you're confident. Father, let us, God, see things from your perspective. Let us believe like you believe, God, that when we take the first step, we know we've already finished it. There's only time in between and a process in between. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up, God, people who are willing and ready, God, to start small, God, and change the world around them. Father, I pray that you'll raise up people who are not afraid, God, who not despise small things, small beginnings, but trust you, enjoying the process, excited to see the crazy, amazing thing that you're building. In your holy name, amen.